Hey, listener. This episode is about the end of the fucking world. So, you know, if you're going to be anxious about some of that stuff, uh, maybe skip this one. And on top of that, a major content warning for brief mentions of childhood sexual assault throughout. It will be three instances in particular, and I will try to tag those below in the description for you, but you may want to just skip this whole episode in general if you're worried about any of those things being an uncomfortable and unpleasant experience for you. With that out of the way, let's get into the episode proper. Welcome to The Third One Sucks, where we rank every movie in a franchise from first to worst. I'm Dan Ellis. I'm Mark Bell. And sweet Jesus, it's an anti-AT field. What are we going to talk about today, Mark? Today we're watching End of Evangelion. An animated science fiction psychological drama film directed by Hideki Anno and produced by Gainax and Production IG. End of Evangelion premiered in Japan at the Yomiuri Hall Cinema on July 17, 1997 and stars Megumi Ogata, Katono Mitsushi, Megumi Hayashibara, and Yoko Mayamura, among others. What, Dan, what's our fan review for today? Good lord. Our fan review this week comes from Google Fan Reviews. Uh, Average Boater said two years ago, five stars. So far I'm on board. So far I'm on board. Five stars. Yep. Check. Five stars. Very good. Just an average boater out here, (laughs) given their two cents. Average Boater says, watch this movie with my kids. And they loved it. (laughs) Great movie for the family. (laughs) And teaches a valuable lesson at the end. (laughs) I don't understand this review at all. (laughs) I I think it's, I think this is being, this is somebody, this isn't sincere. This is someone doing a joke. Either it's a joke or uh, it's someone who accidentally got the wrong, like I looked to make sure it was attached to End of Evangelion, but maybe (laughs) someone was searching and like somehow grabbed the wrong title. Sure, sure. (laughs) Goodness. Shall we get into this uh, extremely family-friendly movie? I suppose so. When's the first time you saw this, Mark? We haven't asked that question yet. I think I mentioned on the previous episode, I watched all of Ava with my college nerd group my freshman year of college. Because one of us owned all of the Ava that there was at the time on DVDs. So we watched like two to three episodes every Thursday for a semester, and we finished with this. Nice. Ah. What a way to cap off your semester. Yeah, boy. (laughs) How about you? Like I said, I kind of discovered this, I guess, around the same age. I would have been, you know, around 8, 2009-ish when I finally sat down and saw this for the first time. Yeah, I watched it after I had rewatched the whole series, uh, or watched the whole series for the first time. Um, My introduction to Ava was a little weird. I don't know if I got into the specifics on the last episode, so I'll make that note here. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first piece of Evangelion stuff that I saw was 1.11. It got me, it was, this was before 2.22 had come out in the States. Okay. Okay. So you're like, I got to see more of this story somehow. 
Yeah, like I saw it. I was like, this seems like to be the way to do it because it's a remake and everyone says it pretty much sticks pretty close to what happened in the first like six episodes of the TV show. Sure, yeah. So I'm going to watch this new shiny version of the thing. And I watched <laughs> it and I was like, well, I need, I need, I need this. Now I need all the context. I need all of this now. So I did that and then I watched the series and then I watched this. <laughs> and I think my life was forever changed at that point. Sure. Yeah, once you watch Ava, you're not the same person anymore. <laughs> yeah, so I really love this movie, y'all, and it's going to be really hard for me to be uh, objective about uh, ranking in any capacity, like especially sure. with uh, this entry, because it's one of my favorite pieces of media. End of sentence. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Mark, do you, we should probably get into it, right? I've rambled Boy, enough. howdy, should we get into it? As a reminder, this which is a standalone movie. It's 90 minutes that is telling its own story, but it is absolutely the end of 24 other episodes. So it's, it's, mm-hmm. it is a complete movie in its own right, but much like we talked about last week with a movie that was kind of trying to summarize the previous 24, it would be weird to approach this thing without the context of the series. So if you're listening along, if you're one of those people who listens to the podcast and doesn't necessarily go back to watch all of the source material, one, thank you. Love to have you on board. Really excited (laughs) that you find us that engaging. But two, this could be a tricky one for you. We'll do our best. This is this film is already difficult to penetrate either way. Um, So doing so without at least that much of a background is not advised. I would say definitely go watch the whole original series, skip death true too, because you don't need it. It's a garbage recap and it's, it does, it's not good at what it does. We talked about that last time and then watch this. <laughs> All right, boy, let's get into it to remind you. If you're uh-huh. watching slash listening along, we are rejoining this story at the end of episode 24 slash at the end of the events recapped in death true Two, right after the death of Shinji's best friend slash boyfriend boyfriend. (laughs) Oh, I I did not mean to say one or the other. I meant to say one person is occupying both of those roles to be very clear. (laughs) Yes. So Shinji's in a real raw place when we start this movie. Yeah, he's not in a good place. We left him at that crater lake with Masato the last time we saw him. Mm-hmm. The crater lake that formed because Ray went kablooey. Right. The yep. Ray that he knew went kablooey. His other friend, yeah. So, and, and that's the same place that he met Mikaru. So he's, yeah. that's still where we see him. And this movie does not pull any punches. We immediately, like... We go to a cut of him, like, sweating and or wet. There's already some amount of theorizing that it happens with this movie. This is the movie you're we're getting into. <laughs> yeah. Is, it some, is that we see a, a, a wet protagonist and we have to theorize of what just happened. Either yep. it's just a very hot day or he maybe tried to drown himself. It's unclear. Welcome to the beginning of the movie. <laughs> it immediately reminds, like, this is the state that this... This child is in, and I love the uh, transformer off of the power line falling into the water. Yeah, and mirroring like the head. Yeah, it's it's very it is it's an very good. Excellent way to immediately put the viewer back into the mental and emotional state that we left this story. 
it get, it's two shots and it tells you exactly where the character is. Yep. Grappling with the loss of his boyfriend and another significant friend, Shinji heads off to see Asuka at the nerve hospital. At this point, she's one of the few remaining friends he has still alive. And she's not a reminder. She is in a coma presently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the last time that she tried to make her Ava move, it would not move because her self-worth was in the toilet. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yep. She did not have enough sense of self to command her robot. Yep. The one thing that she defines her self-worth off of, uh, she couldn't do that thing. And then we found her in a bathtub <laughs> with some murky water that we yep. discussed last time. Yeah. Uh, so she's in a coma. Like, she's comatose in the hospital right now. Is this movie dark enough for you yet? Oh, don't worry. Don't worry. It's one not the, getting better. One of the most fucked up things that you've ever heard of possibly happening in a movie starring 14-year-olds is about to happen, and we're not even a few minutes into this movie yet. Yeah. Yeah, we. Oh, I have seen this movie multiple times. I saw it first when I was 19. I'm now an almost 40 year old man. I still don't really know how to process this weird bit of sexual assault. Yeah, it's not good. This is where Shinji is at internally. And this is to like let us know that, like, I feel right off the bat that, like, okay, maybe you're going to. Shinji is our audience surrogate and you're going to Mm -hmm. imprint yourself upon Shinji here. So this is going to do two things. One, maybe if you relate to Shinji, there's some shit you really need to process and and deal with because you're, you're not in a great place. And two, maybe you shouldn't be sexualizing these 14 year old characters on this television show. Yep. We are setting and breaking boundaries and expectations in the first, like, three minutes of this film. Yeah. If Are you already uncomfortable? Good. You're going to be uncomfortable during yep. this film. This film is explicitly going to make you uncomfortable. The whole point of this movie is, if you don't like yourself and you're uncomfortable with yourself... Uh, yeah. And you want to improve, like, that. this is all part of that process, and then you're going to eventually have to, like... It's an incredible piece of Work media in that regard, <laughs> because the the ultimately, which we'll talk about throughout this and at the end, ultimately, the arc of this is Shinji confronting his own self-loathing. I mean, there's many arcs. That is not the sole point of yeah. this story by any stretch, but that is a mm-hmm. major through line. And in maybe the best example I can think of of show don't tell Mm -hmm. this movie's just going to bury you in self-loathing so that you are there with Shinzi. Yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's rough. Um, we are definitely bearing the lead here, but like he, uh, is trying to wake Oscar up. Yes. Yeah. He's not having a good time, but he's also not acting in a way that anyone should like be defending. No, absolutely not. None of this is to, justify his actions we're just trying to frame it yeah because it's Uh, significant to the story and it's bad and ugly he tries to wake oscar up and she's not because again she's you know she's she's comatose she may be like yeah she's in hospital vestments or it may just be that like her body is will not let her wake up right now either way she's not getting up and when he jerk like (laughs) 
God, the word jerk. When he jerks her body, her top comes open. Yep. And so he can see the boobas. He can see the boobas. And what does this lonely, isolated, confused 14-year-old child do um, in the throes of puberty? He locks the door and uh, masturbates to completion. He does. That is 100% what happens. It is immediately, I mean, it's unsettling, but it's gross and it's infuriating and you, the viewer, are powerless to do anything about it. This is going to be the first moment of many in this movie where I'm going to defend the original manga entertainment script, the English Mm -hmm. script, not the acting, not the production side of things, not the actual (laughs) DVD itself. Uh, not the acting of the tertiary cast, though I think a lot of the primary cast does some of their best work there. Mm-hmm. But the script, I think, of that is pretty good with a few notable exceptions, one of which was Sweet Jesus and Anti-AT Field that we mentioned up top. Sure, uh, yep. <laughs> the other one we will certainly get into whenever we get to that point in the movie. Um, but the English translation there for the dub that he says afterwards is, I'm so fucked up and correct. Um that hits so much yep. harder than I'm the lowest or I'm the yep. lowest of the low. Yeah. Uh, I'm horrible. I'm so fucked up. Has There's a visceral nature to yep. that that translates yep. exactly what's happening there uh, in a way that is not like the literal definition of I'm the lowest of the lower. I couldn't get any lower. It, but it helps us understand he really recognizes like I, I really just did this. I'm a horrible yep. fucking I've just confirmed all of the worst things that I think about yeah, myself. Yeah, he has rolled into this situation believing himself not worthy of anything and mm-hmm. then took out a shovel and dug himself lower. Correct. So that happens. That's how this movie opens. Yeah. Welcome to the movie. Here we are. It's just a fun, good, friendly, friendly prop yeah. for everybody. With a valuable lesson at the end. Here with our protagonist, the neglected 14-year-old son of the man who's trying to trigger the end of the world. Right. So he can see his dead wife again. Yeah. Yeah, because his son wasn't enough. Like, his son, <laughs> his son was not sufficient. That's the life this kid has led. Check out this generational trauma happening, y'all. We move from that very stark and distressing opening scene of sexual assault to Masato. I had forgotten because it's been a minute since I've watched this movie. I had forgotten that we see her so early in this film. Mm-hmm. She's just like chilling in her car uh, that she's in sometimes. Yeah. Just grappling with the knowledge of everything that is happening and how awful it all is and her inability to do much to affect it. Yeah, she's one of, you know, a handful of people worldwide who knows the information that she knows in this moment. And that information is, the world's about to end, we're going to cause it, there's very little I can do to stop it. Yeah, in the parlance of the universe, we are on the edge of third impact. Yep. So that's just her, she's not here to do anything heroic or to make us feel better, she's she's just here sitting with the awfulness of the world. That's yeah. scene two of the movie. She's sitting there and expositing stuff to us, but it's within the context of her sitting there and trying to grapple with it herself. Like yeah. she's trying to talk through it. All right. 
That's scene two. That's scene that's two. Scene two. <laughs> How's this movie feeling so far? It feels like I could watch this with my kids and they would love it. <laughs> Shall we shall we move on to talk about the various uh, devious super organizations that have disagreements about how we should end the world? Uh, yeah, we move on to like Gendo talking to Sele. That's how I'm going to be saying it is Sele because that's the version of the word that I was raised on, even mm-hmm. though every translation seems to find a new weird way to say that word. Yep. Sometimes uh, it's got a Z in it. Sometimes there's a Z there. I think that might be the appropriate because it's German, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so that yes. might be the proper way to say it, actually. Right. Uh, but you're stuck with the version that imprinted on your head in your late right. teens, early 20s. Yep. Zele is probably correct, but Sele is how it's always going to exist in my brain. Gendo's talking to Sele, and it's like, it's a, it's a lot of like back and forth, these two. Uh, heads of these organizations we get some chiming in back and forth from different members of sele who yeah, appears yeah. just has these big black monoliths which are real cool i love it so much it's so I love visually them. striking they look so cool there's because they're just big and imposing yep. um and uh it's mostly gendo and and the like head of sele uh killer Renz is the like the, the oh, one yes. and then other members of sele like chiming in uh as they're like well here this is gonna happen we're at the point where we have to initiate third impact uh, here's how we're going to do it. We don't have the lance. We're going to have to use unit one rather than Lilith to initiate things because mm-hmm. we don't have the lance. And therefore, they're uh, very angry at Gendo for losing that lance, which Gendo was like very purposefully was like, get rid of the lance. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> Let's low key get rid of the lance that way. They can't do it their way. Yeah. Because in case you've forgotten, Gendo has his own purposes for all of this. Like we were discussing yeah. at the top, he's looking for a reunion with his wife, which requires a very specific set of circumstances. Everyone's trying all these different, like people that are trying to initiate third impact that want the third impact to happen and see the human instrumentality project to its fruition. all have mm-hmm. different reasons for doing it and different, uh, methods uh, yeah. for enacting it, like very specific ones. A lot of Sele is like, this is what the scrolls say. We're going to do it like the scrolls say. Yep. yep. Um, up until there's the last almost minute. like a religious element to part of that. Oh, for sure. They're literally following the Dead Sea Scrolls. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> the, the, all of this information in universe is on the lo- like lost copies of the Dead Sea Scrolls that they found, <laughs> and it had all this information. And then the Dead Sea Scrolls that we know in our world were like altered to omit all of right, this information yeah. they were like later the world in the chaos yeah <laughs> all right where where are we at in this here film ray right uh yeah ray waking up basically like they have to do a different version of instrumentality because gendo's kind of back right. into a corner about that yep uh ray wakes up sees the moon there's been a connection with ray and the moon through this whole thing it's just like yep it's a thing that like is hinted at throughout the entire series Here's yep. Ray. Here's the moon. Ray and the moon. Think about Ray and the moon. <laughs> Look at Ray and the moon. The, she's spinning upside down as uh, the outro plays. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> this, Yeah, it's very deliberate framing. Um, they do the same thing with the sun and Asuka. Um, and she wakes up and she goes to, looks at the moon and then goes to Dogma to vibe in some LCL. Um, yeah, where a lot of failed versions of the Ava project were initially built. Yeah, that's a mood. And we see Gendo's glasses are broken. So like, yeah. we already know that uh, that fills in the gaps between like where she was when she came back as Ray three, the information yes. that 
she was able to suss out from all the stuff that happened with Karu and like kind of remembering things about her past iterations. Um, she's broken those glasses uh, of Gendo, which she like treasured up to this point. Um, so like, it's a very deliberate, like, again, that's only there for like a couple frames. It just sticks on those for a couple frames, but it's like here that tells you everything you need to know about where this character is emotionally. Mm-hmm. Yep. It absolutely in the space of honestly, just a few frames communicates everything we need to understand about this character who has like Gendo's been a father to her in many ways. Part of the strain between Shinji and Rei has been the relationship between Rei and Gendo. Yeah, Rei is, this is figuratively and literally a new Rei. Yeah, it's like a new old Rei. It's like she's, at this point, we've already discussed it in the last episode, I think. But like, she's Lilith. Like, she is. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. She is. That's (laughs) In case you've forgotten. (laughs) Rei is the soul of that big eldritch god that's crucified in terminal dogma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shoved into a human meat sack, which is the clone (laughs) of Shinji's dead mother and Gendo's dead wife. Part of Gendo's long-term plan. Yes. And Gendo has been, by for all intents and purposes, grooming her to like enact the end of the world. Yep, hundred percent. You know that old chestnut. Yeah, <laughs> you like, know. The, count the number of times I've seen that plot show up in media. <laughs> it's everywhere. Okay, I like that in our notes now. You say, "Okay, man, things are getting messy. Lots of government agencies and para government agencies. Let's try and keep this straight. Can you just yeah. read those bullet points to me?" <laughs> i want to hear you say some of these things we set up with four kind of short scenes right to Mm -hmm. to put us in the necessary mental and emotional state for the rest of the episode yeah and then the next little chunk now that we've been appropriately messed up by the opening of this the next little chunk is sort of plot dense and i don't say that in a negative way but this is like you just read this is where all the various government agencies come in Mm -hmm. so my notes for a bit say gendo is doing his own thing to start the third impact which we talked about earlier sele is not happy they want to endo gendo lovely UN's not happy. They revoke Nerve's credentials. In case you've forgotten, the UN is sort of a player here. I mean, they're not yeah. like a big piece of the story, but they're the UN. They're involved. Sele's trying to figure out where the Magi are, and Ritsko throws up a firewall. Cranky about the above, Sele leaks some info to Japan, who sends their defense force to assault Nerve. They are not playing. Yeah, you, the UN <laughs> sends in uh, like the JSSDF, the, yeah. the, the Japanese defense force. Like yeah. basically, what what is their standing army, right? Uh, that right. exists yeah. for defensive purposes, but clearly are not being used so here. It, you want to see a lot of fucking just war crimes happen real quick because we're going to see yeah. a bunch of war crimes. That's what's going to happen now. We're at the if you if this movie wasn't already heavy enough, now yeah, the standing army of your own country is going to invade your clandestine organization. Um, yeah. Hey, would you like to see a bunch of craven adults with bad motives throwing giant machines of war at each other? I guess you've come to the right movie. We've seen a lot of violence in this show up to this point. Yep. But we have not seen that violence largely being enacted on humans the way that it is. Yeah. 
Yeah, it has not been uh, human versus human much to this point. Like, the Avas are kind of human, and they're people-shaped, and they have people souls in them, um, but they're still, like, removed enough to where we're seeing that violence differently than Yes, they exist in such a way as to allow our brains to view them as something other. They are, in fact, painfully human, Mm-hmm. but we can sort of recontextualize them to, to clean things up and make things, I guess, digestible for everyone here. The chain of command here goes at the top Sele. Yep. And under that is uh, the UN and nerve operating on mostly like similar uh, levels because they both answer to Sele. Yeah. Uh, underneath that would be like local government entities like uh, Japan's defense force. Yep. JSSDF. Yep. And so the UN is using the JSSDF to invade and take back the Magi from headquarters because <laughs> right. uh, Sele has said we need to enact things our way. And so we need to get in there and we need to uh, we, we need to like get all of our ducks in a row. We need to get both of the, the units mm-hmm, that we need mm-hmm. to enact things the way that we want to and then bring about the end of the world. What they're telling the UN is not that whole truth. It's we need to get in there and stop nerve from ending the world. Right. Yes. So the people that are on that chain of command have a different expectation of what they're doing. They're just trying to like stop it from happening. And like, there's even a clip later where we go to like some random UN man uh, in an office somewhere being like, we'll make sure no one can touch it uh, for 20 years, like old Tokyo. So they're like, they explicitly between that and the soldiers being like, our mission's a complete failure. They are not going into this knowing what Sela is trying to do. They just are trying to stop nerve from ending the world. Um, yes. (laughs) And there's layers here. (laughs) Yeah. And then nerve, uh, or more specifically Gendo, um, is trying to enact third impact and Sele is trying to enact third impact. Yep. Uh, and everyone else is just kind of caught in this power struggle underneath them. Yes. Uh, yeah. Because they want to go about it different ways. Like, Sailor is going to get their way regardless, but they're really trying to play things by the book. They they want to follow the scrolls. Yeah. Uh, they yeah. want to follow the prophecy through to, like, exactly as it's been outlined. Yeah. They are taking a religio-military, religious-military... I can't, there's a word for that and I can't come up with it, but they're taking that kind of approach. Yeah. It's like, it's not Christo fascist because they're not Christian. Right. Um, right. But, but it's whatever that but, thing is. But yeah, it's that version of, of that thing. Like it's a very dominionist attitude of like, we're going to do things our way and we're going to enact our will upon the world according to our scripture. Yeah. Um, yeah. Theocratic is not quite the right word, but it's in that neighborhood. It's, yeah, it's um, nope, nope, <laughs> not good. Uh, and then Gendo just wants to see Yui again, and so yeah. he needs to be in control so that he can reunite with Yui. He doesn't right. want to just end up like this disembodied soul floating in a soup. Uh, like he specifically right. wants to be taken to see his wife again, uh, again within Unit One, because Yui, her plan this whole time has been to make sure that the human race. There's a piece, and we're, we're going to get to it later, but I feel like it bears mentioning here, just yeah, trying to yeah, tie yeah. all these things together. Um, Yui just wants to make sure that there's proof that the human race existed in perpetuity um, long after that we're gone, which is why she's like, put me in the robot. <laughs> yeah, in case it wasn't clear, Yui is, I mean, 
within the context of this story, her soul is in Ava one, but she is an active player in all of this. A lot of her proactive decision-making came before our story formally started, but she is absolutely like, she is a narrative driver for the story that's unfolding. Yeah, she's driver and vehicle. Uh, <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know when you're not you know how you're not supposed to compare people to objects or like specifically women to cars? Right. Like they literally dehumanized her and turned right. her into yep. a, a thing to be driven around in this. It yeah, it's it's a thing. Uh, it's it's not explicitly stated because most things in Evangelion are not explicitly stated. No. Nope, but every nope. time we see Unit One uh, going berserk, the inference is that's Yui doing a Yui. Yep. To make sure that she can get us to instrumentality, so that there's proof that mankind existed. Okay, back to this movie. Where are we at? <laughs> Gendo puts Fuyuki in charge while he fucks off to go do an impact. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So Fuyutsuki's on the bridge with all the bridge bunnies. Yep. Gendo has moved on to his endgame now. Everything else is like... Effectively, none of this matters to Gendo at this point unless it is going to interrupt what he's trying to accomplish. Whew, okay, so now an unconscious Asuka is shoved into Ava 2. Yeah, Asuka is, they dump her in uh, Unit 2, and they put Unit 2 at the bottom of the big crater lake. <laughs> yeah, they just bury Asuka in a robot in a lake. They just say, plug her into the cord and dump her at the bottom of the lake to hide her from uh, the defense force. So, like, yes. the UN doesn't seize yeah. Ava, uh, Ava O2. Yep, that's that's the thing that happens. And then they're trying to find the other pilots. They can't find Ray. Where the fuck is Ray? We don't know where right. Ray is. Well, we know where Ray is, but they right, don't know right. Where Ray is. <laughs> and Shinji is on the lamb. Yeah, they try to find Shinji, and Shinji is at his his lowest of the low point. Yep. After having done what he has done, and like he did the bad thing that to prove that he was the he did the worst thing to prove that he was the worst person so yep. that he can confirm all his biases about being the worst person yep he's like self-destructing hardcore which you know i'm not excusing all of the things he did no, but i no. understand his his why a 14 year old like yeah. his brain would be working this way based off of the amount of trauma that yep. he has lived through over the course of this series explaining not justifying but explaining we i want to be very explicit there (laughs) because none of these are like nobody in this show is wholly like altruistic and good and nobody in this show is healthy yeah yeah yeah, everyone everyone is a very just a broken person everyone is broken in different ways for different reasons right And to be clear, the movie also at no point is trying to excuse Shinji or get you back, get him back in your good graces. So the the movie's not apologizing for him either. It it certainly does not apologize for Shinji. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So before anyone else can, Masato finds Shinji. Well, the the JSSDF do. I'm. I'm I'm just gonna say soldiers because I'm tired of saying the whole thing. Yep. Yeah. Uh, when the when the soldiers find him and they have him at gunpoint, they're about to kill him because they don't need him. For right. Right. Yep. Yep. They just need unit one. They don't need him. They yes. just need the robot. 
and they need to secure it, and that's it. And Unit 1 has been flooded with Bakelite. I always want to read it Bakelite, and I don't know why. <laughs> it's frozen and can't really be moved. It's not really an issue, but they got to take care of the pilot. Uh, and Masato swoops in and is like, the fuck you are, and takes out three dudes. <laughs> yep. She is now just going to kind of info dump on Shenji. She's going to give him the background of Lilith. Uh, she's going to posit that humanity is the 18th angel. She's going to tell him about like tiny baby embryo Adam. It's a lot that she's, I mean, listen, he's not an average 14 year old. He has had an intense life. It is nonetheless a lot of information for this 14 year old to process. Much less in the state that he is in. Like, none of right. this is sinking yeah. in. And for him, not a, not a word of this is sinking in. If I was 14 and I was in this headspace that he was in, and if I was 14 and not in the headspace, I would still just be like, the fuck are you talking about, lady? Yeah. Um, and it really, it really illustrates the uncomfortable codependency of that relationship. In, in the same way that we were talking about before in those moments where, like, they're trying to play house and, like, they know that they are something to each other, but they don't have context or language to appropriately describe what they are to each other. And they're both broken and they're both making it weird. And, like, everything about this relationship wants to be healthy and in its failing to be so is very very unhealthy and this final conversation here is just another illustration of that of like the four people that shinji interacts with that are like more of our like primary leads in this show right mm -hmm. um i am including karu just because <laughs> um, but mostly masato and asuka and rei they are reflections of the different ways with which he is like trying to come grips with himself. They're all trying to find out how to like interact with each other in a way that makes sense. And like, they don't within the text of the show, the AT field is like the barrier of one's like soul. It's like the walls of your heart. And so it exists because we're all these individualized human beings. It's like the in-universe lore of version of like the hedgehog's dilemma that they introduced in like mm -hmm. episode three. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. This is how this works. People can only get so close before it becomes uncomfortable and we like we right. risk hurting each other. So we yep. instinctively try to put space there because we don't right. we're afraid to get hurt. We um, draw as close as we can to that line and then instinctually back away from it. Yeah. And so Masato and Shinji both have a similar relationship with their father. Mm -hmm. uh, Shinji and Rei do not know how to like interact with the world or ha take their own initiative. They right. just kind of yep. exist and get through life by doing what they're told. Shinji and Asuka both lost their mother at a young age yep. and are yep. dealing with that loss uh, of both parental units and that abandonment very differently. They exist as mirrors of one another and I, the show does that really well, <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. And so, when trying to figure out how to make all those pieces fit, Masato sees, here's young boy, I'm older lady, I need to try and be a mother to Shinji. Like, Shinji doesn't have a mom, I don't have parents, I need to try and fill this right. gap in this child's life, because I know what it's like to be in that position at Shinji's age. But yeah. she doesn't know how to do that. <laughs> yeah, the flip side of that is she does not know what it's like to be a parent. Like, she doesn't, right. for the reasons you just described, she does not have an internal framework to provide that. And she is right. not in a healthy place to find it herself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> huh. We are, we are at the adult kiss. Yeah, she takes Shinji 
to where unit one is, the elevator to unit one, yep. um, get shot in the side. And then yep. again, Masato doesn't, here's the thing about Masato is that in all the ways that like Asuka is trying to prove that she exists by piling the Ava and Ray uh, is like determining her self-worth based off of she does the job that she's given and she does what she's told. And Shinji just wants his father to love him. And like, so he does everything to try and achieve that. Um, Masato, uh, like many people do, like uses like human sexuality to like, yep. To like soothe that. Like I want, I want to be loved and appreciated um, thing. And like, again, and there's nothing wrong with like, casual sex listener don't get me wrong um but like she's mm-hmm. trying to soothe all of her like all of the issues with her with just that yep. physical escape um and so that's really like one of the only ways she knows how to connect with other people um and sh- like prove her value to herself and then at the same time it's how she reinforces all those same negative stigmas about herself that she's like yes. this dirty yep. awful person yeah it's it's like these characters are very multi-dimensional the show's very good you should watch the show it's, it's very, very good there's a whole episode of the show that is just like this type of shit and it's one of the best episodes of the show there's no robot fighting at all in it and it's very no good. no shinji is not even inside his robot yet i mean we're right there yeah but <laughs> we're, we're almost to the boy getting in the robot but shinji as of yet is not in the robot yeah nobody is piloting a robot currently and we're a quarter of the way through this movie and nobody has piloted a single robot yeah Uh, very little (laughs) robot piloting is going to happen in this movie listener yeah honestly and we talked about it last episode people think they're coming to ava for for a traditional mecha experience are gonna have a real bad time yeah, for sure. That's not really what this is. That's just the window dressing to get you in the door so we can tell this incredibly weird story. All right. Where are we? Ray, right? We're at Ray, Ray and Gendo's showdown. Uh, more or less. We we did, we breezed past the adult kiss that happened. Masato does because there are some things I want to talk about here. Yeah. Masato is trying to convince Shinji to do the thing. Tells him like, it's like Shinji's like, you can't understand because you're not me. And he's like, she's like, it doesn't fucking matter that i'm not you <laughs> we all are dealing with our own shit we all live in this world and we all deal with a lot of the similar shit and like right now you need to go or you're gonna get murked and so she does whatever she can to get him on that elevator unfortunately yep. that takes a that means sexual assault of yet another minor yep yep this is Masato. she's reaching for whatever weapon she has and she has learned that her sexuality yep. can be a tool in her toolbox yep she gives him the child an open mouth kiss and shoves him into an elevator. This moment, not that moment is good, but the moment that follows where she slumps over cause she got shot on the way there. This sequence of event is so good where she's just like, she's thinking about the most mundane things possible that she yeah, would change. Yep. Like she would go back and do like, it's, it's a very human moment of just like, I would have changed the carpet like Oscar wanted to. Uh, I would have done all these little things if I knew it was going to end this way. Yep. Um, that would have. I wouldn't have like fought the battles that I did. They they seem so unimportant now. She says like her. She's like this is good enough, right, Kaji? Like I I did a good job. I did the right thing, right? Before she bites the dust. Um, and she doesn't even get to bleed out. We get a few frames here of it cuts to a wide shot and what we're going to refer to as Quantum Ray from now on because that's what the Quantum fandom Ray, refers like to her yep. as. Yep. Uh, This ray that just seems to be places where she shouldn't be, which has happened before in the series. 
Uh, in the very first episode of the series, in fact, Shinji sees one of these just in the distance for like a split second and then she's gone. There's a lot of cool conceptual symmetry that we're going to get to later in this podcast about that. <laughs> There's just a few frames we see like that and then an explosion happens and within a few, few frames, like if you pause and go through frame by frame, you can see the two halves of Masato blown in different directions <laughs> as this explosion goes off underneath her. And then we cut to Shinji in the elevator who, you know, has Masato's like cross necklace now. Um, she gave him that for, uh, she pushed him in there and he realizes that he has blood in his mouth because mm-hmm. she was bleeding out this whole time. And like, that's how mm-hmm. he knows that like, Oh fuck, she's dead now too. And that takes yep. him, that knocks him right literally back on his ass. And he like falls yeah. back up in the elevator and starts crying. He once again, like had some form of human connection. And then it was like, that person was immediately ripped away from him. Yep. Like, Reaffirming everything he God. believes about his own worthlessness. He cannot catch a break. This boy. I Now we're to, now we're to Ray and Gendo. Uh, Which is Ray, a pretty brief beat in the episode, to be honest. Yeah, it's just Gendo finding Ray standing at the the Rayquarium, as we like to call it, <laughs> yeah. where, where all of the dummy plug bodies were that Ritsuko destroyed. And it's real gross. It's just a tank full of, imagine, listener, if you would, that you're in the state of mind that Ray is in here, where, you know, she's discovering that, you know, she's not a people. She's this, she's like the mother of all creation on Earth. And yep. this old man has been manipulating her uh, to try and do things his way. And she doesn't want anything to do with him anymore. And you walk into where you used to like, for all intents and purposes, like this is your old bathroom. She used to like just take <laughs> LCL baths there, right? And float in the tank. And she gets there and she knows there's replacements. She knows there's other like bodies. But to walk into like an aquarium listener and just see a bunch of bodies that look just like you in pieces, like in yeah. trails, in- inward bits are on the outside now. Yeah, just, just floating in this of mess. You. In this mess of blood and uh, Viscera. primordial soup. It's, yeah, it's it's a lot. And so we that's where Gendo sure finds is. her. It's like, I knew you'd be here. And Gendo's off to take her to terminal dogma now now what happens mark this is the part that ev- now we're at the part that everyone remembers about the first half of this movie. <laughs> boy okay ava 2 <laughs> we're back to ava 2 yeah. and the military avas yeah so unit 2 wakes up at the bottom of the the crater lake yeah, because they does. are dropping they're dropping mines on it to try and like to destroy it as it's yeah. at the bottom of the lake. And uh, it obviously isn't working because it's covered in this fucking plate armor to withstand these sorts of things. Yep. Yep. Um, but Asuka's inside and she is, you know, still also going through it herself. Yep. Yep. Um, and we've got these mass production Evangelions rolling around now, which are sort of like. They're about to come in. Yeah. She, like, she's having. It's important to talk about Asuka here. I know we have so much movie to get through, but. There's, there, oh God, Oscar here discovers that the moms are in the Avas because her mom like starts like yeah. with her. just yeah. like like back in episode sixteen, Shinji has that kind of like communion with his mom, but doesn't yep. really kind of doesn't, doesn't quite wholly, put the pieces together. Yeah, like he doesn't quite get it yet. Like he has all of the pieces, but he hasn't been able to put it all together. Oscar comes to realize that like 
through this, like, through almost, like, being tanged and through ego death and having, like, that communion with her mother who's in the Ava. She's like, oh, shit, my mom's here. My mom's here, and she, like, the part of my mom that loves me isn't gone. Yeah. And she, like, has her self-actualization coincides with the activation of Unit 2 here, and it's very good. There's such this, like, moment of, like, joy happening here to contrast all the bad happening in the world around her. And we get this, like, triumphant theme, and she wakes up, and this big, like, cross explosion happens. And so she gets up, and she fights off the, like, JSSDF. Like, she uses a ship to stop missiles, and then she, like, throws it at them and just starts fucking up their helicopters. It's very good. And yeah. then Sayla's like, yo, send in the mass production Evangelions. Yeah, boy, the final Avas. Yep, and they are all operating using the dummy plugs that Nerve was using were using Ray clone bodies to trick them into activating. The ones that are being used by Sele have Karu spare bodies. Because it's right there on the plug. <laughs> it's just this Karu. <laughs> yeah. In case you were wondering. Case, like, before yeah. you can even ask that question, it's like, just right here, read it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's very good. Yeah, these things show up. Big fucking brawl starts happening basically yeah here is here is your giant robot fighting here's your giant robot fight this is the this is the big robot fight all the fans wanted and didn't get in the television glorious and triumphant and if this yep. is your first time watching it you're like oh shit oscar's finally has her moment to shine she's self-actualized she has full control of her fucking ava they are clearly operating on a level that they haven't ever before based just solely on the way that she is like her situational awareness and the ability to use the AT field the way she is. She has locked in here. She's like, I realize this is my mother. Her sync radi- ratio is through the roof. She's yep. operating this thing like a fucking boss. They cut the cable and she has to fight off all of these Ava units. So she's like tearing ass through these things. It's very good. You think yeah, very on satisfying. your first viewing, this, this is going to, we're going to, she's going to do it. She's going to fucking, we're going to stop this thing from happening. She's become the protagonist that we've always wanted in the show, right? <laughs> yep. Mark, I, I'm looking at my notes here, and it, it looks like Hideaki Anno wrote this, so I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> that seems no. unlikely. <laughs> if this is your first Hideaki Anno story, you may be expecting things to go differently. <laughs> right, and not everything has this tone, but if he's in this world, at least, you're not going to get the thing that you want exactly the way you want it. It's just not going to happen. She fights them all off, but they all are using S2 engines, which yeah. they've been able to put into all of them after Unit 1 obtained an mm-hmm. S2 engine by devouring an angel. So, presumably, they're, they were feeding these things Angel Core, wherever uh, they were that, manufactured. I think that is the assumption one must draw. She didn't kill those. Th- she tore ass through them. She did an impressive amount of work. Yeah, and she did great. She had 20 seconds each to take these things out, and she d- had done it. And then, nope. the we, tr- we find out that these like weird spears that these things are carrying are replicas of the Lance of Longinus that they've been able yeah, to synthesize. And it just goes right through her AT field and spears her yep. in the head. It just, they rip her apart. Oh, yeah. The spear goes through her head, and we see... Like her grab her head because again they some amount of the damage that's being inflicted on the Avas they can feel, uh, but mm-hmm. she's yeah, there's, there's like a psychic a, resonance there. She's at such a high psychic resonance now. Her sync ratio is so high that like yeah. this is being impacted on her physical body. It cuts to her like screaming and pulling at the controls, and blood is just gushing from her Ooh, head. Yeah, 
like yep. presumably from her like eye socket it looks like yeah it's it's just pouring it's a lot of blood it's not it's too much blood for her to be getting out of this alive you're already it's like so much oh blood. that's not good that's it's not good. so much blood it's an anime amount of blood <laughs> yeah yep it is uh so that happens and then the fucking harpy ass angels all like pounce on her and disembowel her uh, and we can't see it through the plug suit, but presumably something's going on under there that's really fucking her up. I, at the, this is a, this is the point in the movie where like I see the disemboweled Ava Unit Two and Asuka gripping her side like that, and I'm like, I've been there more than once this week. I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> that's how my chronic illness seems to manifest. Uh, <laughs> Is in exactly that spot. So she gets ripped apart. We are literally watching Unit 2 get eviscerated. It's a lot. And then, but Oscar won't quit. Oscar won't let it go. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. Oscar is like, fuck you till the end. Um, till the and, very, very end. <laughs> and like, they're like, they tell her, like, just trying to tell her over the comms, like, just fucking stop. Like, if you don't, like, you need, you got to stop. You like have somehow survived up to this point. Don't keep doing this. And like, the Ava reactivates and Spear comes down. It's a very good framing. It's a very good shot. It's very heavy the first time you see it happen. The spear comes through and we don't even see the spear hit. From the outside first, we see Asuka reaching up at it towards the sun, mind you. Again, conceptual symmetry uh, with Asuka and the sun that's happening. The first time that we see her, she's backlit by the sun, and here, it's like over the top of her. Uh, We see her arm split in two before anything else. And then it pulls away to like this wide shot of Unit 2's arm being like speared in half. And then all the other spears, one after another, hitting her. Yep. It's just brutal. cushioning. And that cuts to Shinji moping by Unit 1. Shinji had put together over the course of this because Asuka kept talking about Mama mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and how Mama's look, watching over her. And he like kind of had he put that all together. He's like, oh, my mom's in the Ava. That's what happened. That's where my mom is. My dad put her in the fucking Ava. Um, <laughs> here we cut back to him, like, sitting there moping, and we just hear Ibuki is the name of the, the bridge bunny yelling here. Just, ah, it's it's rough. Her, like, screaming, like, how distraught she is. It, yes. Yes, it's raw. I'm taking up a lot of time. What's next, Mark? <laughs> Boy, I, man. I don't Oh, this know. is it. We're basically at the end. We're you know, right one, near the, uh, the end first of half, part one, yeah. We've got the bit with Dr. Akagi still before uh, this ends. Uh, we do. Dr. Akagi uh, had to put in a type 666 firewall. Risco is, wants to self-destruct the Magi and blow up Nerve to yeah, stop this yeah. from happening. Because she's just done with Gendo. She's been yeah. through a lot over the last few episodes of the show. I really dig it. I dig her motivation here. Uh, and there's some, like the different parts of the Magi, which her mother created and imprinted her the different parts of herself onto Casper, Balthazar, and Melchior were herself as um, a woman, uh, a mother, and a scientist. And Casper's the part of her that's a woman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so she goes to hit that self-destruct. She's like, die with me, mother. Doesn't happen. Casper's like, no, I'm not going to do that to my to the dude I used to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, she is obviously, like, just like, oh, fuck, this sucks. And Gendo pulls out a pistol and says, we don't see what he says. He he says something to the effect of, like, Ritsuko Akagi, I truly, and then it cuts off and we just see the mouth flaps. 
Mm-hmm. And she responds with liar. Uh, there's some different ways to interpret that, but the manga specifically, and the way that I've always interpreted it before that manga version came out and it just affirmed my bias here was him saying, sure. I truly did love you. And like, she yeah. knows that's bullshit. And yep, we know as yep. an audience. And I feel like that's why they don't have to say it in the film because we know this is the one more, one more lever of emotional manipulation. Yeah. And she's just like liar. She sees straight through his bullshit. Yep. He gets shot. <laughs> she's flying backwards into the pool of LCL from the impact of being shot. And, uh, sees a, another Ray. Ray keeps showing up whenever these people are dying. I wonder what that's all about. Maybe we'll find out in the second half of this movie. Anyway, Shinji's moping. Can't get into unit one. Yep. Mom says, oh, you want, if you want in now, you can get in now. And breaks, yep. out, breaks out of the big light and helps Shinji get in off screen. <laughs> and so find out unit one activates and we see yep. get another explosion of like the big purple cross. Then like this big, it's apparently like large enough and in proximity enough to just wipe out all of these people that all of these soldiers that are just like, well, mission's a failure. We done fucked up wipes them all out in a big explosion. We end part one of this movie and like the, this movie is like cut up into episode 25 and episode 26. Uh, so this is like, we end episode 25 with Shinji waking up. We have this like awakened unit one flying up into the sky with these wings. And uh, the first thing that he sees once he gets there is unit two, just in pieces. Yeah. Just. Oh. Just hey, did you like, hope maybe that one of your friends was still alive? No, you, you know, the only, you know, the only person that you had, like the, the person that like you cranked to earlier in this movie, but right, the only right. like connection that you felt like you had left in, in that moment, she dead too. Um, and yep. we're going to make sure you know that in the most viscerally disturbing way possible. And we get, yep. we end this with this scream that is everything mark it's it's the scream is very good both in japanese and it is like the one redeeming value of the mm. netflix translation i feel is that like the person that they cast as shinji in that uh they do a great job um with what they are given they are just not given much and so whenever it's these moments of just like shinji shrieking like this it's very good here at the halfway point of this movie slash the beginning of the second episode, we're just going to have some <laughs> real talk about merging Adam and Lilith, merging like the embryo with the body spirit thing, mm -hmm. which is Ray, by the way, in case you've forgotten. We're just going to shove like the embryo of an alien god into the clone recreation of this dude's dead wife slash physical spiritual manifestation of another living dead god to combine them into one sort of thing <laughs> one kind of combined sort of dead alien alive god i don't i'm not even sure how to <laughs> how to properly express how weird all of this is and, and to be clear when i say shoving the embryo of adam into the body of lilith i mean it quite that's not a figurative expression right this is, that is we're not very literal look the, a lot of things are just you know vague metaphors for sex for sure uh especially in evangelion but <laughs> um no this is literal 
we th- this is like the one choice that I disagree with for this uh, this film is that we don't ever get an explicit shot in this film of Adam embryo crafted grafted onto Gendo's hands. Mm, 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 That's in the TV ending, right? Um, and it shows up in Death True Two, but it's not anywhere within those first twenty four episodes or in this movie. So it necessitates that knowledge is like necessitated by having to watch the TV endings as well to know that that's a thing that happened. He tells you it happens, but we don't get to see it. And I feel like seeing that is important. Yeah. One of the few places that this movie is just a little bit clunky. So yeah, uh, that's the thing that happens. And how do we, how do we merge Adam and Lilith? Uh, How do we go about that in a movie like this one, Mark? I know you're asking this and listen, I bet you're curious too. (laughs) Is it through more sexual assault? Yeah. It's through more sexual assault to the minor. Yeah, it's yeah. real uncomfortable, and clearly Ray is uncomfortable with it. As well she should be. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, yeah, it's boy, yep. It is, it's a lot, for sure. Yeah, this weird child version of his wife, slash yeah. eternal alien god. <laughs> that noise you made is exactly the right noise. Ugh, yeah, it's not good. It is deeply uncomfortable. But this movie wants you to be uncomfortable. <laughs> it sure In does. general and with these it moments. It sure does. Uh, yeah. So that happens. Where are we? I've lost my notes. <laughs> uh, Shinji's screaming his bloody murder. Right. Yes. Yep. And his screaming bloody murder and uh, Ray realizing that he is in turmoil and wanting mm-hmm. to like go to him brings the Lance of Longinus back from the moon. Yep. <laughs> That's just a thing that happens here in this television program. <laughs> In the meanwhile, Unit 1 has been marked with the stigmata using yeah. using the uh, fake lances of Longinus. Yeah, well, it's, the episode's not weird enough for you yet? Okay, yep. stigmata. Yep, this big robot thing with the lady soul in it with the child in the womb cockpit yep. <laughs> with wings made of light is being crucified by these big these big white things that are supposed to represent in the, the consciousness of an English audience, at least they're supposed to bring to mind. Like these good things have done these very bad things in this movie and continue to do Mm -hmm. bad things to our lead, including Mark Shinji with the stigmata and leave him like crucified in Mm -hmm. (laughs) midair. That's a lot of things you just said. Yep. And if you think it's going to get less weird from here, Listen. Yeah, this is comparatively the normal part of the episode. Yeah, this is where things start going into full-on nightmare fuel mode, but we're not quite there yet. There's just like this eerie, unsettling vibe to everything that's happening right now, but it will mm-hmm. descend into full-on nightmare fuel very shortly. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you have it marked in our notes... The mass production Avas start resonating their S2 engines with Unit 1s, and they form a the tree of life, like the diagram, like the Sephirotic tree of life yeah, in yeah, the yeah, sky. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and this is actually, I jumped the gun earlier whenever I said that Unit 1 Awakening wiped out all the military dudes. No, it's this. It's, it's the this, shock. Yes. It's the shockwave from all of these resonating um, that wipes them all out. They're like, well, we're fucked now. Mission failed. <laughs> Also, just looks very cool. This looks oh, very God. cool. Mark, nothing... I, we mentioned this last episode, but we're going to have to relitigate it a little bit here. Nothing... No other piece of fiction has ever, like, 
made me feel the way that my 14 year old self was like terrified of like mm-hmm. the rapture happening and like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. book of revelations in yep, time tribulation yep. shit. Nothing has ever made me feel like that except for end of Evangelion. Yeah. 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 That's, it, I don't <laughs> know if that's an experience. I don't know to what degree that is a universal human experience and to what degree it is specifically an evangelical Christian experience. But the mm. terror of the rapture while being told is a thing you are supposed to be looking forward to. In fact, the best thing yep. is, oh, I, I, my heart and soul immediately know the thing you are trying to describe. Yeah. And Evangelion is definitely telling a, a very specific narrative. It has a message that's trying to convey to you, uh, viewer. Yes, it does. Yep. Ano put into it and that the team put into it. Um, and those big points being like, it's okay for you to exist. You need to learn to love yourself. Escapism to a fault is bad. It's not good to run away. All these like messages that are in the show and in the text itself are there. But a step beyond that is what you're getting out of it. That's true of any piece of media, but it just feels especially true in Evangelion. Mm-hmm. It sure does. Uh, and whatever that thing is that you get out of it and that you learn about yourself and that experience that you have, I feel is almost more important than like the intended text of the author. Like, especially for evangelicals, I don't know. I I can't speak for all of you. We didn't all have identical experiences, but we had pretty similar experiences, uh, due to just the homogeneity of evangelicalism in America. I mean, for me at least, and it sounds like to some extent, Mark, yeah, this, um, this shit hits different. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) This shit hits different when that is the, like, the terror you were subjected to growing up. Yeah, I wasn't even raised in, like, there's a breed of American evangelicalism that really emphasizes revelation and the end times as, like, a major theme. I wasn't even raised in one of those particular strains. But it's still just a fact of the faith for the evangelical version of it, and there's no way to present it that isn't, oh, hey, guess what? The world is going to end in a terrifying way, and you should be happy about it. Yeah, it's it's a real fucked up dissonance. Nothing gives me through mind mind you very different like lenses but like the the experience feels so similar like i have i had nightmares um this is hello did you expect me to trauma dump um (laughs) uh in the middle of this episode i'm gonna uh i remember having like nightmares uh whenever i was like in my early teens about like being at like a church function out back and then like the literal like end of the world happening looking to the east and watching the sky like split apart and right right <laughs> just yeah like terror absolute terror quite literally you know someone sneaks up behind you with an air horn and shoots it off and yeah. that scares the shit out of you you we we were that was gabriel's horn for a lot of us growing up <laughs> at any second that could happen we got a little sidetrack there dealing with our own stuff but you're I gonna would argue bring your- that it's still on point for this episode <laughs> we're talking about the end of the world mark ah. the rapture imagery is fucking ah. heavy the in end this of the thing. world dressed up in a kind of specifically western christian fashion yeah it's like like I, the I language of it and some of the imagery The spear of Longinus is the spear that pierced Christ's side. What do you want? Right. It's, (laughs) 
It is a lot. Yeah, the, the spear that can kill literal gods. Yeah, that's yeah. Because the, cause god the spear killer. killed a that yeah one. killed because this one killed a god once. <laughs> a god. My made notes a here image. just say hmm. boom. That's the next boom. note I have. Boom is accurate. Uh, the boom <laughs> happens. Uh, the geofront gets like torn up from the ground. This explosion that goes off looks like an eye. And the yep. iris is the black moon w- w- that Lilith was sent here in, uh, which is the geofront. The geofront was built into the black moon. Terminal dom- dogma is like the middle of that black moon. <laughs> yeah, that's why Lilith is there. Lilith's body, at least. Does that come up? I don't think that starts ascending yet. Does the black moon no. ascend or does giant naked ray happen first? Giant naked I ray may have first. my notes out of order here. I have the black moon of Lilith as like the next beat. I, I think that's how it happens. Cause then we have the conversation with Ray where she, and this is very satisfying where she tells mm-hmm. Gendo like, screw you pal. I am not your doll. I am not your toy. I am not your empty husk oh. for your wife to be reborn. It's very good. This whole series, Asuka has been calling her a puppet. Like she's like, you're mm-hmm. just a doll. You just do whatever you told. And that has a lot of meaning to Asuka who obviously has a very tense relationship with dolls. See our last yep. episode. I'm not going to relitigate yep. it here. And so Ray being like, I am not a doll. It is very satisfying to see of all the bad people in the show, maybe the worst pe- person, Gendo Akari, get his arm just like ripped off of his body and absorbed into, into Ray. Yeah. So that she can regrow an arm, which we failed to mention slept off earlier because her body right, was falling right. apart. <laughs> yeah, that's just the thing that happened. That's just the thing that happens with Ray. Her body is not very stable. It's one of so many things to happen that we neglected to mention that one of the main characters arm falls Lose off because their arm. body is decomposing. Yeah, that's just a thing that happens sometimes <laughs> with Ray. Uh, we don't see it expressly throughout the series. It's just a thing that's happening in the background. That's why there's a bunch of clone bodies. We need replacement parts yep. for Ray because her body and her AT field can't contain it. She's it's the soul of a god crammed in that husk. It's not supposed to be there. I think I put this in my notes. That particular scene, mm-hmm. the, everything about Ray calling out Gendo is one of my personal favorite. I don't know that it's fair to call it a small moment, but it's sort of a small moment. It's one of my favorite moments in Ava. It's very good. It's seeing her just to reject Gendo's like the he's groomed this child uh, yep. for his purposes. And to see her like after that moment of assault to literally dismember him and then be like, fuck you. Yep. Uh, to see her seize her own agency. Yep. He's like, I, you're not in charge of this anymore. Akari needs me. I'm going to go help your son, which you don't fucking love. Yep. <laughs> yep. She goes back to her home. She, we get the conceptual symmetry from, there's an mm-hmm. episode early in the series where Shinji runs away and comes back and he's standing at the door with Masato and he's looking at Masato, who is like mm-hmm. his, the, like his mother uh, figure in this instance. And he's looking up at her. He says, I'm home. And she says, welcome home. And the same thing happens here where Ray flies up and is looking at her body, like the mother of all humanity and says, I'm home and her soul's going yeah. back home. And then we just get the text on screen. Welcome home. It's, oh, it's so good. <laughs> I love oh. all these little details tying back yep. into like the early episodes. There's it's so good. It's so good. And we get giant naked Ray. Now Lilith doesn't look like Ray. She takes on the form that she's used to, which is that of, you know, Ray Ayanami and Yui Akari. Descends 
or uh, ascends and grows like she's a god now like she has she's like beyond like physical manifestation of anything even within this universe at this point because she is has presumably the body and soul not only of herself but of adam as well yep yep um based off of just we broke down impact mechanics a bit in that last episode so again see there because we're not going to relitigate him here this episode's already going long like presumably you know Karu soul was able to re was is in that lcl floating around somewhere where the body died yes so that all gets reconstituted she goes up through the the geo front yeah there's a real ascension feel to it it's yeah it's real spoopy uh, and ethereal like music happening here there's a shot that i love it's like my my favorite frame of this uh film which is just like a blue sky in the background and AV unit one's head that's happening around mm-hmm. this time where like this mm-hmm. ethereal music is playing. And so like, we're like looking at this like crucified God and it's just spooky. And it's in th- like, it evokes a very like specific reaction in me that I really love. Um, it's very understated. I feel no one ever talks about that particular frame. Cause there's a lot of <laughs> movie happening. So now we get giant naked Ray. That's what the fandom calls her. <laughs> But it's, you know, it's, it's Ray, it's Lilith. It's, they're one and the same. She is going to help Shinji reach whatever his wish is in this moment. Uh, Shinji sees what is happening, sees this big fuck off version of Ray with, uh, mind you, red and black eyes when he first sees her that are just spooky as hell. Um, <laughs> and he screams, he was already, he already screamed bloody murder once. And I think he screams even worse here like he he is like his he's about to have a mental breakdown like a full-on he's about mm-hmm. to go through full-on ego death that is what is happening here like the text says it and it's demonstrable he starts jerking at the controls trying to get this thing to move this machine to move it's not moving it's stuck in this thing the poor kid like <laughs> he is he is losing his shit going through ego death and it's initiating instrumentality instrumentality is beginning now and Here's why this is this is why his boyfriend is text mark and not subtext because <laughs> everyone in instrumentality ray manifests as the like yes the body and soul uh like of adam is within this being now within giant mm-hmm. naked ray uh so there is that explanation of it too but also the last person that you know they see before instrumentality happens for everybody in this world is the person that they love the most. <laughs> right. Yep. And he sees Karu and he's like, Oh, oh he, does. he starts crying and smiling for the first time. This whole movie. Yeah. Uh, he's so happy to see his boyfriend again. He's like, is that where you've been this whole time? Um, and yeah. he starts melting into Tang. He, he tangs It's very good. Uh, it's, it's very good. And then from there, Ray guides him through instrumentality. Instrumentality yep. is happening now. Instrumentality is happening. <laughs> oh, a thing that we didn't mention that happened that is real visceral and terrifying that evoked that scream is all the mass production Ava units are resonating with Lilith and start taking on the like their heads like turn into these phallic shapes covered uh-huh. in the body and face of Ray Ayanami. It's uh-huh. <laughs> it's it is tremendous nightmare fuel. It is very good. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. It also is. When, it is. Oh, it's impacting. Oh, it's so good. And the hit, like the response there where Shinji is like pulling at the things and screaming bloody murder unit one 
also screams bloody murder and the like the chest cavity opens in a very yonic manner there's a lot of vaginas in this movie y'all it splits open and the core bursts out of you know one's chest as it screams bloody murder it's yep it is nightmare fuel happening Where are we going from here, Mark? Accurate. Boy, this is so there's another chunk in my notes immediately following third impact where I just have to kind of summarize stuff because so much is happening <laughs> and I have trouble keeping track of it all. Black yes. Moon. This is, so this is where Black Moon actually rises, I think. Also, we, we didn't talk. We talked about like the symbolic tree of life, but no, he like. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, on top of all of that nightmarish shit that we were just talking about happening somewhere in there as well, he gets turned into like the unit one gets like reconfigured into this big red fleshy cross shape. Yeah. Yep. With the lamp yep. sticking in it and it is covered in eyeballs and it like yeah. it becomes like the literal tree of life. Yeah, there's this sense that Shinji slash Ava one are sort of kind of God now. Because yeah. they they contain via the lance and the tree and it's and etc the fruits of both life and knowledge. Yep. So in some ways, like the power of ultimate choice now resides with Shinji, with this yeah. poor fourteen year old boy. We have yep another little piece of a thing that happens there is when he's turning into this like weird red tree thing is the the lance sinks into the core of unit one during this and it's like doing these weird like quasi sexual moans but in the but with the unit one like creepy monster like tone it's yeah it's it's monstrously ecstatic look the monster fuckers out there are gonna get something out of it that's all i'm saying yeah yeah it's but for the rest of us it is it is uncomfortable and i believe intended to be uncomfortable yes <laughs> yes on both counts while like while that is going on and immediately following shinji is also experiencing a bunch of visions of everyone he loves rejecting him and telling him he is worthless yeah so instrumentality is is starting at instrumentality. this point ray is guiding him through instrumentality and the like chamber of guff is open which in i'm not gonna say jewish tradition but through like the parts of it that they are co-opting here the chamber of guff is like where all the souls of mankind come from yes yep and that one day it will be empty and all the people will have been born and this is the point that we're at in the like story where like there's no more souls the chamber of guff is empty and it's got to reabsorb those souls to start life yes all over again uh yeah, he's going through all these visions, right? So yeah, he is yes. the the first one is just you know putting his abandonment issues just center stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, little Shinji as a child building a pyramid that looks like Nerve Headquarters over like with these swing sets like going back and forth and in yep. a landscape that is very sexual in nature. It is the those hills are very much supposed to be bosoms, and he's supposed to be closer to the womb at this point mm-hmm, like there's mm-hmm. just there is wall-to-wall symbolism happening right right <laughs> from now to the end of this movie he helps these two facsimiles of ray and oscar as dolls build this pyramid like 
help construct yep. and build up nerve and then yep. Masato and Ray and Asuka like leave him there like the facsimiles of them like this yeah, like, like mind mom, palace versions of them mom yeah. and his like the two girls yep they walk away and leave him there yep. and he's just <laughs> left to look at this thing that he has worked so hard at yep um and there's and like no one is around to appreciate it and so he just he does the shinji thing and he self-destructs and he starts kicking it in yeah yep <laughs> yep yep that's uh, just the first of several visions yep we get a None little of bit of them the more comfortable train. than this one we get yep. a little we, yeah we get some of the hell train after that we get masato and kaji having sex yep. um yep. you'll notice these are all characters that are dead that he's interacting with here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whose souls have been collected uh for instrumentality um because the quantum rays are going around scooping people's souls up and uh yeah, he like he sees Masato and Kaji like having sex, like literally just standing in a room watching them bone and is through with no right disgusted at her, like trying to come grips with things in this manner. Like he has no right, right. to be disgusted. Like he does he's done <laughs> horrible things already in this film, and we're supposed to cue into that as the audience yep. to be like, buddy, like, yeah, this is just a part of everybody. Everybody else also has this whole internal world going on. Um, and mm-hmm. struggling with their own things and is trying to come to grips with it in their own way. And you, yeah, you're disgusted by it and you hate it, but like spoilers because you hate yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's because you hate yourself and you're seeing yourself reflected in them. And you're going to come to this conclusion very quickly here. Um, cause he says it back to Oscar, like whenever Os- like, Cause it does a cut where like it frames Oscar screaming down at him and him supposedly underneath him uh, in a sexual manner. Mm-hmm. And she's mm-hmm. like, I can't stand the side of you. And he says, cause I'm just like you. <laughs> is it cause we're the same? It is all of these bad thoughts and these, it's all the worst versions of the other people in your life that you have made up in your head attacking you. In this case, it seems very re- like, it seems to be literally those other people because of just the nature of instrumentality. They know they now, because they have are part of instrumentality. There's no wall between consciousness and individuals anymore. Everyone's right. one big soup. We're all yep. one big hive mind, uh, which is what the goal of instrumentality is, is to right. return yes. everyone into like a big collective consciousness, return us to the primordial soup. Yep. Um, so that we can erase that the pain that's caused by the distance between individuals that is caused by yeah. being separate yep. entities. It, it, it absolutely refilling guff starting mm-hmm. a, like almost not exactly hitting the reset button, but sort of kind of hitting the reset button. It is yeah. it is that cyclical thing we were talking about at the beginning again. Mm-hmm. It's very much hitting the reset button on life on the planet as we know it mm-hmm. is what's happening here it is going to get th- this like mental verbal assault that is happening is just like one layer of that that is happening with shinji and as pointed out in the tv ending everyone who goes through instrumentality is going to be going through that this is shinji's narrative at this point so we're very much going to be going through it as the audience surrogate um from his mm-hmm. point of view and because he's in charge of third impact now like oh yeah <laughs> yeah Ray remember how and, he's kind of sort of god now he's so, kind of sort of god now ray and yui are both like this is in your hands 
uh, whatever you want to do, we, we support you. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he comes to the conclusion after seeing this and like, like trying, like trying to like being like, there's a lot, God, there's so much here that like, this is, I think one of the most uncomfortable points, uh, for the viewer uh, or specifically a viewer who is going to identify with Shinji as the audience surrogate. Um, which I think people are going to do whether they feel good about it or not. I think personally, uh, just like this movie is telling you about how human beings operate, people who hate Shinji Akari on a visceral level and start listing off a treasure trove of all these negative traits, they're seeing those negative things in themselves. Uh, yes. Those, those things they don't like uh, reflected because that's what we do as human beings is that we see the things that we don't like about ourselves and other people and then we project mm -hmm. that frustration with ourselves onto them and try to knock them down a peg because if i feel that worthless about myself for being the way that i am you should also feel that bad mm -hmm. um so yeah i secretly thank a lot of people certainly not everyone there's critiques to be made about the character for sure and there's very many valid reasons to dislike the character i didn't see you have to like him to relate to him um, but I think a lot of people bounce off of him for that reason and don't want to investigate right. that a little bit more. Yeah. So we're about to tang everybody because yeah. Shinji is like trying to, he's having these conversations and these are like the, this is the uncomfortable part that I was talking about is like, he's having these conversations with people it's like, why are like, like, why won't you be nice to me? And they're like, we are nice to you. He's like, no, you're, you're nobody's fucking, nobody treats yeah. me with the kindness that I feel like I deserve. And like, he's like, he's like, no, you, like, you're projecting all of that. There's so much, like, it's so hard to unpack there of like how much, how much are, are the girls in case that he's talking to here? How much are they telling the truth? How much is Shinji telling the truth? And I think the answer there, uh, as backed up by the TV ending, is that like, these are all, true internally to these characters mm -hmm. um, whether there's an objective truth to be found there or not and that's why finding your own meaning in this media specifically is important because the text is telling you to do that you're um, right yes <laughs> uh, it doesn't want you to find it doesn't want to spoon feed you the answers evangelion doesn't it wants you to find those answers yourself um and that includes those answers about yourself and what you want to take from this thing and because every viewer is going to bring their own personal experience and baggage to the experience, much like interacting with any piece of art, we're all going to interact with it slightly differently. Right. And it wants you to. Like, that's yeah. the, what it's inviting I, that. Yes, absolutely. It is making a place at the table for you to do that expressly. It has invited you to dinner for this purpose. Um, yeah, lots of visions. Uh, eventually Shinji gets to the point we, it kind of all comes to the head with the, uh, kitchen scene with Asuka mm -hmm, where mm -hmm. he's like, it's like, I want to be with you, Asuka, but like, you have to like, you have to talk to me and you have to communicate yes. with me. And like, you, like you have to acknowledge me and yes. And like on its face, that's true. Like you have to, you have to communicate how you're feeling. Cause people can't just intuit these things naturally you have to communicate with other people because they, they're not psychic and they don't live in your head. But Oscar, <laughs> right. because she exists in this big soup that's happening already with everyone knows that's not what Shinji fucking is really is at here. Like he, she knows that that's like, just like he's being honest about that in theory, but it's 
for dishonest ends, which is that he just doesn't want to be alone. And he needs to have someone else love him before he can learn to love himself. He has that, he has that backwards. And Oscar calls him out on and is like, no, literally anyone will do. I'm just the most convenient for you because you're terrified of Masato and you're terrified of Ray, which is exactly where he was at the beginning of this movie. Yep. You have to find your sense of self internally Getting it externally from me or anyone else is not going to give you what you need. Yeah, that validation externally from anyone or anything is not ever going to fill that part of you that needs to learn to love itself and accept yep. yourself. And she, in Asuka fashion, you know, <laughs> tells him off uh, about yeah. that and pushes him over. And he's like, he's like, you never even learn to like yourself. How can you love anybody else? And he doesn't want to hear it and he flips the table and he's again like it i'm i'm relating to every character here like it's i'm <laughs> i'm not fully on oscar sides i'm certainly mm-hmm. not fully on shinji's side because he's having a mantrum um yep he sure here, is but he's also been through a lot and so like you you feel yourself pulled in all different directions here because like the characters themselves in this moment you can kind of see where everyone is coming from Shinji's having a bad day. And if there was drywall closer than a table, he would have put a hole in the drywall rather than flipping the table. And he's like, it's like literally anybody just fucking care about me. Cause he does like everything Oscar is saying is true, right? Yeah. He does yep. honestly just want to experience love from somebody else, which is why Karu was so special to him. Cause he gave that to yes. him without yes. any, there was no transaction that had to happen there with Karu. He just showed up, cared about him, and that was it. He didn't want anything yep. out of it. And that's all that Sh- that's all Shinji wanted from his like his, he- his from his dad most of all, but anyone. He just wanted somebody to like care about him <laughs> on an intrinsic level. And so yeah. yeah. It's both of these people viewing that same problem from a different lens. And fundamentally not being able to come to common ground in that moment about it. And Shinji can't take it anymore. Chokes this like metaphysical representation of Asuka that's happening in the collective unconscious that is forming. And we get these little snapshots that intersperse it with uh, someone like Asuka's mother being hung. Because of course her mind would go there. Rei being strangled Mm -hmm. by uh, Ritsuko's mom. Like it, these like just little flashes. This is where if you have photosensitivity, this movie becomes a bad time for you. <laughs> uh, instrumentality is a lot. And it's, I wish there was somehow an accessible version of this movie it could exist while squeezing in all of the same subtext. I, if someone could create that, I would love to get it to my friends who I feel would appreciate this, but can't because people don't think about disabled people when they're making things. And that includes the yeah. media we love. This is where we get Kamsuser Todd starts playing. The tumbling down, tumbling town starts. And this like kicks off instrumentality in earnest for the rest of the world that is not already collected. Human souls by the billion. How good is this sequence, Mark? Oh, yeah. Beautiful. It's, oh, it is. It is so, especially because it's earned it. Like the journey that, that this series and then this particular movie has taken us on to bring us to this moment, it has earned every ounce of the way that it clearly kind of revels in showing you this. I, again, like back to being raised in the way that we were, 
that such that specific tone, like the the dissonance mm-hmm. that is yep. happening here of the, it feels like there's an elation that it, it wants you to be feeling amongst all of this horrible shit, like the yep. literal end of the world happening. It captures that so beautifully. Everyone is seeing the person they love the most before they get tanged. Um, we obviously we, we see like Hyuga sees Masato. He always had a thing for Masato and he gets tanged. I hate that this is the canon explanation per like the like writers and stuff. Uh that um God, what's his name? I'm forgetting him. Guitar guy. He's the the bridge bunny I can't remember the name oh, of. Right okay, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um not Hyuga or Ibuki, but the other one. <laughs> um <laughs> He, because like his whole character is like, I'm also here and I played guitar in an episode. Right, yes. Um, it is me, the guitar man. It's, it's me, the least developed of these characters. Yeah. <laughs> they say that he's like, for Kana's like, he's an atheist and that's why he can't, he doesn't see anyone and he just sees the rays coming <laughs> right. to collect his soul. What a weird fucking explanation. <laughs> you know how when you're an atheist, you don't love anybody yeah, anymore? Yeah. <laughs> like, but that also feels somehow at home in this religious apocalypse that's happening. Like they would view, <laughs> they would view mm-hmm. it that way for sure. <laughs> uh, the same people who would delight in a apocalypse uh, in like Armageddon at the end of the world would would view things that way. My Ibuki, uh, we get it very explicitly, like stated obviously that she is in love with Risco. She gets tanged. I like the I need you on the monitor and then like just the severed human hand like that splashes LCL um, across right. the monitor. It's just oh, it's, right. oh, this whole sequence is very good. As everyone it's all down. very good. Again, yeah. it's sort of a not in the context of the narrative of the show, but in the context in the context of the journey that it's taken the creator of the show to get here. This little bit almost feels like a victory lap just we we made it to the end i'm telling the story i want to tell and i'm gonna show you in a series of emotionally evocative scenes how it goes and everybody if yusuke gets to see yui again like mm-hmm, takes on the, mm-hmm. the shape of yui before he gets tang gendo gets to see does get to see yui again for a moment but he and ray and Karu are all just like, listen, you little shit. (laughs) Shinji's like this because of you. Like, this is generational trauma that you have put him through. Like, the reason he can't learn to love himself is because you can't learn to love yourself. The reason he can't connect with other people and is worried about hurting other people is because you were too afraid to do that. And you didn't, like, help him work through those things. You did not do your job as a father. And now we have one more broken person carrying on this, like... (laughs) ongoing process of of abuse uh, and neglect through generations and this is what it's amounted to this is on you buddy and you're not gonna get to like my reading of this is very much that gendo doesn't get to come (laughs) (laughs) gendo does not get to come back into guff he gets chomped by a manifestation of unit one and his body gets like his legs are just left standing there. Yep. Sorry. God has eaten you in half. You don't get to go to heaven. Yep. You, God has rejected you. You do not get to come to paradise with the rest of us. <laughs> the devil gets cast into hell. It's very good. We get all three rays standing there as well. The one is presumably like her hands are cupped is presumably holding Gendo's glasses. Like Ray two. Yeah. Yep, Ray one, yep. the little girl, and then Ray three. Yeah. It's all very good. It's Ray's all very good. 
we get these like just these montage shots of like the corridors throughout nerve all the dead bodies are just like yep. empty just clothes dissolving into the lcl <laughs> yep the empty yep. clothes rapture imagery is very evocative for people who grew up the way we did yeah oh boy yep uh there's no just, time to change your mind dan nope <laughs> i wish we'd all been ready <laughs> god damn that's for that's a joke for like well five people max <laughs> no one's gonna get that reference but us <laughs> that's fine we'll leave it that way it's very good and then the way this oh god mark the crosses that happen when everyone gets tanged as like it goes across the entire world and the like screams of an entire planet yeah. from space hearing yep. the screams of an entire planet all dying at once yep oh. <laughs> and and again as you were saying the visual element of those glowing crosses it's oh. it's so much and it's so good i can't i cannot describe on its face like you could watch this very passively and like maybe it not hit the same way that it hits for me but god I, it's so good i eat it up yeah <laughs> No, I agree. It is the visual and auditory components of the entire, I mean, of this whole movie, but especially of the mm-hmm. entire back quarter yeah. are just, they marry up so perfectly. It is, it is a, what it is using the medium of animated storytelling to maximum effect. Yes, this is the kind of shit you could not feasibly do in live action and elicit right. the same emotional response because you'd be too busy staring at the seams of the thing. You'd mm-hmm. be you'd be too busy. You'd be hyper aware that this thing isn't real when it's in yes. animation. We already know it's not real. You just accept it on at yep. faith value and immerse yourself in the world anyway. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're not busy trying to find the seams of the thing. <laughs> uh yeah it's very oh god that's just we could tangent right now about a whole uh, that we're not going to about how animation does not get utilized to the effect that it should and the kinds of stories we could be telling but we're just so fascinated with cgi slugfest and live action um god this is so good this whole sequence is good no one does uh dissonant like dissonance like Anu does for me where we have this like this ballady like but like i still i think it's in a major key song that's happening and it's like the most depressing lyrics oh yeah while the world is ending like it's the whole package it comes together yep, so yep. well every piece works it's, oh, it's so good <laughs> it so all the good. while uh, we keep saying it's so good, but it really is just it got, the look at it, listener. Yeah, you just, yeah, just, just. Uh, it's so I, good. There are not <laughs> enough superlatives to describe. Again, this is a good movie, but the last twenty-five percent of this movie is it. It cannot be overpraised, as far as I am concerned. Yeah, I've I've spoken to people before um, about how like they really love the first half of End of Evangelion, and then they really dislike the second half. And I'm fascinating. I like I like the first half, but the, mm-hmm. the but this is the good shit. Like the second half is why I love this so much. Like yeah, yep. When it, I hadn't rewatched this in a bit prior to doing this podcast, and. Mm-hmm. 
because I'd watched the rebuilds much more recently. And then rewatching it, I was just reminded of how striking it like just it's just Ugh. boy, it's good. It's good. Mm-hmm. It's doing exactly what it wants to do. It's evoking the emotions that it wants to evoke. It forces you to go on this emotional journey with Shinji so that by the time you're in this closing, like you are emotionally vulnerable and raw and it just it primes you for this moment and then it just repeatedly hits you with it. It like this is it is fucked up that this like the end of the world that is happening is the like within the terms of like tension and release in this film this is the release yeah this is the catharsis somehow yeah which is a very like literal sort of like release that is happening because the like the tension release metaphor is intended in every way imaginable Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. as the like this is happening uh we get like the the ava units are impaling themselves with the lances and literally orgasming (laughs) yeah it, yeah, there's some real like a lot of psychosexual bullshits happening. Yeah, yeah, some real sort of autoerotic masochism and some real psychosexual bullshit is happening. Could be on the yeah, box set of yep. this entire series. Yep, yep. <laughs> uh, for sure. Like it's yeah. The tension. We see Unit One, which is the Tree of Life, now descending mm-hmm. into like a whole ass vulva, like and yep. clitoris appear on Lois' head as it sinks in. Yeah, yeah. Just Unit One is just climbing back inside its mother? Question mark. The yeah, all of humanity is returning to the womb. Is yep. what's happening. Yep. Uh, yeah. It's every it's all of humanity is returning to the womb. That's exactly what's happening. The black moon is like cupped between Lilith's hands and the mm-hmm, souls of all mm-hmm. humanity are like being like caught up through that black moon and then sucked into the stigmata that is on yep. Lilith's that hands is, yep. <laughs> and returning into Lilith, which is like the LCL. I don't know if we ever mentioned it, but LCL is literally just low of the blood like that, which is yeah, what yeah, people yeah, yeah. and every other form of life on this planet is made of. Yeah. The lifeblood uh, of the alien earth mother. Yes. Of yeah. our strange alien earth god lady. Yeah. The big naked god lady. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's that one. You know the one. Who is sometimes wearing the face of Shinji's mom. Yeah. <laughs> it happens sometimes. <laughs> that is all happening, and then, like, this all kind of comes to a head, like, this, like, rapturous, quite literally, joy of, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. that is happening. We, we even get to see Kill Lorenz, like, the head of Sele, like, um, melt away. And I, this is another translation that I love in the original English version, is that um, the direct translation is like all is good, or is like everything is very good. All, like it's like everything is good, everything is very good is like the direct translation there, right? But right. they translated it to all is right with the world before he collapses, and that's so good. That's mm, mm-hmm. that is look the artistic license is being taken there, sure, but we have seen that since episode one. Um, right. We have seen that like on the logo for Nerve HQ. God's in his heaven, all's right with the world. So yep. for that to be Sele's like last words uh, during instrumentality is chef's kiss. It's it's so thematically resonant for me. I love it so much. 
and no other translation is going to do it for me, whether it is more <laughs> technically accurate or literally accurate or not. Just That's like the, the one I'm, that speaks to your heart. Yeah, it's just like the I'm so fucked up. Like it's yep. it does that thing better despite it not being like to the letter. <laughs> it's eliciting that reaction better than in our common tongue. This is all kind of brought to a head where like everything's happening. All these souls are reconstituting inside of Lilith, and then mm-hmm. Shinji is like thinking about it, and like all this psychosexual bullshit's happening, and we just get like these weird, like the female form in like different like art styles, like sort of like impressionist sometimes, like weird yeah. Like, yeah. photographic, like overlaying each other as like he's hearing like, Don't you want to become one with me? Like from all the like people and like the women in his life that uh-huh, uh-huh. he knows. There's this like moment where like it's like creeping tension and then there's the slap noise from where Ray slapped him earlier in the series. And that's where like all these images start rapidly overlap. Oh, God, it's this movie is a work of fucking art, Mark. (laughs) And like that comes to a head with like he hears that over and over again. And then he starts hearing like the rejection again at the very end. And like Oscar's like, I wouldn't as if I'd ever like have sex with you. Like, I don't want to become with you. Sure. Sure. Like, why would I ever want to be some with you? Not if you're the last person on earth. And like, it cuts to a hue of live action eyeball opening. <laughs> and there's an empty theater. There was like some interspersed shots mm. earlier of like people in a theater. I think we get a, a few more of them here in a bit that cut to like an eye opening and then an empty theater. Like presumably people saw this like in theaters, uh, in the nation of origin in Japan for the first time when they saw it. A lot of people did. So mm-hmm. God, that's so good. Just to like, everyone is gone from earth. And then to like show you something that is very similar to the place that you are in as the viewer, it's empty. Just like earth is like now, like right. void and empty of life. Very good. As everything is in this finale. <laughs> everything is. Uh, we get some like live action, like stuff interspersed here as Shinji's kind of like talking to Ray uh, yep. to Lilith in this moment yep. like having this conversation about like what is like where are we now and he's like this is yeah. the world you wish for there's no separation between people anymore is it okay for me to is like is that okay is it okay for like he's still looking for external validation he still wants that valid he still wants someone even, to tell him he's a good boy yeah even when he's part of this hive mind of humanities like he still wants external validation it's it's so shinji he asked that question. He's like, is it okay for me to be here? And then like text on the screen is just silence. And then he screams again. So that definitely takes place earlier in instrumentality, but it's very good. It happens while Kamsu Sertad is playing and not after the eyeball opens and we see the live action stuff, but he's still kind of trying to come to grips with everything and figure out like he has a little therapy session with Ray here where he's like, realizes like this isn't right we are all one big thing now and i still feel this void yes i still do not feel complete even as i become one with all of humanity literally no one else in the world can fill up that hole inside of you is like yep uh, listen buddy this is the last like if this hasn't made you realize it nothing's going to they weave these like all these different pieces together so well, Mark. So deftly. They weave, so deftly. They weave them together so well that like when you watch it the first time, you don't pick up on all of it. So yeah, he like pulls her out of her. He gets like she gets off of him, so they're no longer like joined by genitals and like each other's body parts through each other. And instead he's like next to her. And like that's ugh, it's so good. It's 
they don't have to say anything explicitly of what's happening here because like you just at this point as a viewer you're gonna get it you're gonna cue into like all of the the shorthand mm-hmm. that they're, they're using here yep he has that conversation and realizes like i think i want because he's in charge of humanity now yeah he is the decision maker until he separates from this connection that he has with lilith and yui right now he's in charge he's in charge of the apocalypse <laughs> And, like, he became God, and he became one with everyone, and it still didn't fill that hole in him. So he realizes, like, that wasn't the problem. Now, not only did this not fill it, but now the whole world is ambiguous. Now everything is ambiguity. And so it's much better to have those clear divisions between people. It's easier, like, at least then, like, I know that other person is them, and I'm me. Right, yes. And that... The, there's a separation there and that it's okay for me to exist independent of everybody else. Yes. And that's kind of, it's through yep. all that that he comes to the conclusion that, oh, it is okay for me to exist. I, I can and in fact must define myself. It's very good. The TV d- goes about it in a different way artistically, but comes to the same conclusion at the end of instrumentality mm. where he's like the more ambiguity is the harder it is to like understand yourself as like a singular concept you have right to, like, right you have to separate yourself uh from others not like in a community sense but in like you have to find yourself worth internally you have to define yourself and not let other people do it for you and so he does and he's the first person to like very poetically reconstitute back into a physical form post instrumentality yeah. To figuratively uh, and literally crawl back out of the human soup. We get, at this point, very good visuals. The, like, gash in Lilith's neck that just, like, sprays mm-hmm. out and forms a, like, sprays some on the moon. Yep. The, those souls that got stuck on the moon are just fucked. They're not coming. <laughs> yeah. They're not coming back. Or they're going to grow into, like, moon people. Uh, they're going to reconstitute into people who can survive on the moon, I guess. The, like, LCL that sprayed out gets caught in orbit. We see later in like the pull away that there's this red ring around Earth. Now it's so good. And Lilith's body starts like decaying because like instrumentality has been rejected. So like this big giant husk is no longer needed and starts just kind of collapsing and falling apart while Shinji realizes he has a right to exist. And he talks to his mother like during this part, kind of gets to say goodbye to his mom, who's like, uh, there's this very beautiful moment of like, as long as like, the earth, the moon, and, like, the sun still exists. Like, mankind will always have a chance at happiness. Like, we'll, there's always going to be those opportunities to find joy. Which resonates with me as, like, a pessimist of, like, okay, we sure. accept that things are shit. But it's through that acceptance of, like, our reality that we can define, you know, the joy that we take in life. And, and I also like that there's no insistence on, like, oh, and there will be more joy than sorrow or there will be a balance. Mm-hmm. No, it, it, there will be moments of joy. That's something that Shinji is coming. That's part of him coming to terms with all this is that it's going to be that even if it's going to be painful, because existing and interacting with other people is going to be painful. That's just part of the process. Uh, joy is also a part of that process, and connection is part of that process. It is that connection and that joy that we can find, um, if we can find it, a lot of the times will make the rest of that worth it, at least in those moments. Yes. Rather than a world where you feel nothing, those ups and downs are preferable within the eyes of at least the story that they're telling here. Yes, yes. Whew. Whew. There's still an ending to talk about, like yes. Shinji talking to his mom, making some semblance of peace within himself. 
<laughs> even crawling back out of the ocean. That's not the end yet. <laughs> nope. You know that triumphant little moment there, even though like it feels triumphant and everything. And Yui like mm-hmm. floats off and he's like she's gonna she's gonna be a testament that mankind existed no matter what. Yep. Like because Ava Unit One will exist as an immortal, like godlike entity right. in perpetuity. Her motivation from the very beginning, by the way. Like from yeah. before this series started. Yui got her version of instrumentality. She got yes. the one that she wanted. Sele did not get the one they wanted. Gendo did not get what they wanted. Yui came out on top. And she slash Ava One is gonna take the lance and as you say, kind of drift into deep space. Yeah. An eternal testament to the existence of humanity. Shinji wakes up in a world that is just bleak. Uh. <laughs> bleak. There's some sparse and depressing imagery here. The nothing- literal, fa- literal fallen gods just yep. littering the earth. There, these like the heads that resembled Ray on the mass production Ava units. Mm hmm all like bubbled and exploded with the lances Mm -hmm. uh, that were impaling them. And so they all fell back to earth crucifixion style. You know, just the disfigured heads of his friends. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the image that this movie is known for is the raise the big giant naked ray bodies decomposing and the head is laying in the ocean that you can see. It's so massive. You can see it across the horizon. Very clearly, I feel like Marvel's Eternals stole imagery mm, yep, yeah. in that movie there's from some, this. There's some, just yeah. straight up, just straight up. The big white god that you can see on the horizon, that there's like a hand and a head. Yeah, come on. Come on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the skull being like in half. Right. And like yep. the dead expression as it slides. It's harrowing, Mark. It is. It's a horror show even when things are trying to be uplifting. Somehow it doesn't feel like the tone doesn't clash. It's like, it's just all, no, and I don't know how they do it because the, the, the point of Shinji's journey mm-hmm. and the point of this movie is there's not a, a right choice and things aren't suddenly perfect or even good necessarily yeah. because he made the choice that he made. The world that we live in isn't paradise, but like, right. we we can't get to paradise if we like reject the world as it is yeah. now. To get there, to have that opportunity of happiness and changing, making things better, we have to take it as it is and uh, navigate through the good and the bad in order to, you know, leave a campsite better than we found it. It's right. one way to take, you know things out of this ending. The, I guess the bit that we need to wrap up, because I am trying to wrap this up, I swear. Yeah. Is the one more final I need you at the very end here, which mm-hmm. is like after all of this, where Shinji is laying on just this desolated beach. The visuals here are I the visuals of this whole film, but like just the white earth, like like sand, everything's like scorched to sand, and it's just this white sand. And then everything that is still like r- ruinous remains are like these charry black objects floating in a sea of people. Um, and there's a big severed head of a dead god staring you down there's no light from the earth so you can see out into like all the stars of the vastness of space shinji's laying there and asuka has reconstituted herself and is like next to him has come back he sees one more um at least within the what we see on screen of what happens in this continuity uh one more 
Quantum Ray just standing out over the water, like yep. the first one that he saw in the first episode, is there. He does not blink and just like stares at her until she goes again. Yep. Um, realize Asuka is there next to him and starts to choke her again. <laughs> yep, he does. That there's so many interpretations here. Uh, uh why yeah, he does boy, that. we could spend another hour just trying to deconstruct right. the final 45 seconds of this movie. We could, like, the final, yeah, 45 seconds is about right. And she instead, like, it's a good, it this ending works on like a such a, a visceral level for me on so many levels. Very briefly, whatever his reasons for doing it are, we can't really get into, but there's a bunch of different interpretations there, whether sure, he's yep. still trying to like. Like he's not sure if he actually made it out of instrumentality. Is right. He just, yep. Is it just a visceral rejection of now that somebody else exists here, he's second guessing himself and he's afraid right. of like yep. the pain that could be coming his way. Some again? sort of residual fear and terror. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I like that, like him, like this passive person who just was looking for war and yep. who like flagellated himself is now like outwardly being the aggressor to this yep. other human being. And we have Asuka, who was always outwardly aggressive towards other human beings, like, finally gives him, like, some semblance of, like, compassion in this moment, despite what he is putting mm-hmm. her through after he ju- she just came back, presumably. Just caresses him. And, like, this leads us to the final line here, because, like, there's been interviews with the staff and the, uh, the person who voices Asuka has said... Mm-hmm. When delivering this last line, because there's a number of ways to interpret what just amounts to her going, ew. <laughs> gross. <laughs> yeah, gross. Is they were trying to like get the last line to land um, in the booth, and what they had wasn't working, and she wasn't able to like quite deliver in a way that like Ano like was satisfied with. Like something about it didn't feel right, and uh, he just like pulled her aside and he's like, "Look, imagine." You just woke up, and the last thing you remember is the person who is now on top of you strangling you just masturbated to you while you were unconscious. It's not an upper, like, the very ending of it, the postscript of One More Final I Need You, is, like, where we bring everything back down to Earth, where we prove that idea of, like, we don't want to leave you on the high of, ah, you feel great, because that's not what Ava's here to do. Because progress isn't linear, and growth isn't linear. Right. Things are messy, and now that like we're back in the real world, the characters themselves, things are messy, and you're gonna hurt each other when, even when you don't mean to. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I like that they leave that messy and feels true to life, and it's it hurts, but like they you they want you to be like, I know we just did this triumphant ending, but like don't walk away from this and only feel good about it because that's not the point of this. Right. That's not the journey we're all on here. Yeah. Uh, we did it oh boy mark i'm sorry (laughs) no man listen i love i i do not have the relationship that you do to ava but i love ava Mm -hmm. it is dear to me and spending three hours talking about this movie is not a bad time (laughs) if there was ever going to be a longest episode of our podcast of course this one yeah at least from my end, it was going to be this one because this is one of my, <laughs> this is that thing I won't ever shut up about is one of like five things I won't ever shut up about. <laughs> and it intersects with a bunch of other stuff I never shut up about. And it's also one right, of my favorite right. pieces of media, period. <laughs> like pieces but of art, period. <laughs> I, I don't really know that anyone needs us to do this at this point, but technically right. we do have to rank this movie. 
We do. Number one is End of Evangelion, and number two is <laughs> Death True 2. Death True 2, yeah, clearly. I mean, obviously. Not obviously. A clip show versus one of the greatest pieces of animated cinema ever made. Ah, At least wonder in my how opinion. I will weigh these two. Yeah. <laughs> A clip show that did a horrible job of recapping the thing that it was yeah, trying to a recap. Not very good clip show. Or one of the one of my favorite pieces <laughs> of art that exists on this planet. I wonder what's going to come out on top, Mark. <laughs> the weird thing is, we are now only a third of the way through our Ava movie watching experience. We are. It was the end of the original series, but not the end of all Evangelion, period. Yeah, what, what's next? We're going to be starting at the rebuild with Evangelion 1.11, You Are Not Alone. The Third One Sucks is a retrograde orbit radio production. If you like the show, make sure to rate and review it on your podcast platform of choice. It really helps us out. Follow us on Twitter at the Third One Sucks or email us at the Third One Sucks at gmail.com, where we can chat about episodes and take your suggestions on what you would like us to cover in the future. That's the the number three RD One Sucks at gmail.com. If you aren't already tired of our voices, you can check out our other projects, including Mindful Self-Indulgence, where Dan interviews folks about the media that has most impacted their lives, and Mount Olympus, where Mark and a panel of friends watches and reviews the Hercules and Xena television franchises, along with the rest of the Retrograde Orbit Radio family of podcasts at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again in the sequel. Uh, good job editing this uh episode future mark i don't know how you did it but good job <laughs>